this morning's message was really good. Thanks, John, for uh, teaching out of it. I really appreciated one particular part, which came out of Proverbs, uh, which mentioned that uh, when there are no oxen, the stalls are clean, and uh, the, just the relation of that with children. I, I know I can identify since my home uh, is regularly a little bit messy from the kids kind of running around. Now. And as a byproduct of that, it's sometimes difficult to find things. Uh, lately, m- more often than not, things have been hidden. Uh, and the culprit generally is our, my son, Benaiah, if you've seen him, he's the one with the hair. Uh, he runs around a lot of places and he's exceptionally good at hiding things. Uh, so much so that uh, it could be a remote, it could be a phone, wallet, He'll hide it, can't find it for days. It'll just be missing. Um, and I have very little patience when it comes to seek, seeking for things. I'll, I'll look for a minute, two. I'll give up. I just, I have no patience. Pray for me in that area. It, it's pretty bad. Um, but thank God that he is not like me in that regard, that he is someone that searches for us uh, diligently, um, even greater than uh, my pitiful searching for things that my son may have hidden. So that really is the focus of tonight's message. We're coming out of Luke chapter 15. Uh, if you have Pew Biden Bibles, uh, it's page 874, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I think it's around that area. Um, and we'll be le- reading from Luke chapter 15, like I mentioned, the, the entire chapter, so 32 verses. So put your seatbelt on. We're going to get through all of that this evening. Um, and as we're thinking about that, we, we really want to look at two main things. We want to consider how the Father seeks after us, um, both as a as people that are not believers yet, and of course, as people that are his children. And then we want to consider how we respond to that. Um, and those are the two things that we want to think about this evening. So before we jump into that, I'm going to pray for us one more time. Um, God, I thank you for this evening, uh, for your word, for the truth that you provided to us from that word. I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds so that we may uh, learn clearly how you uh, desire to seek after us and how we should respond to that. So I thank you for that. Um, in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Uh, so as we're about to look at that, there are three ways that we want to uh, look at the, the objects of this, this parable. There are three parables that are in this chapter that have the same common theme. And you see three things. You see the sheep, uh, the coin, and the sun. Um, and you really see those three items as representations of us. You know, we are uh, sheep because God is very possessive of us, of us and we're, we're, uh, we're his possession in that regard. You see the coin which attributes value to us. We are his valued um, item. And then you see the son, which is his heir, um, and heirs to the promises that he has. Um, in all three parables, um, the seeker is God. Um, you see him represented by uh, the shepherd, uh, the woman that lost the coin, and of course the father in the third parable. Um, but it doesn't matter what those items are, he seeks after them all. Um, so let's go ahead and jump straight into it. We'll read the first seven verses first. Uh, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who needs no repentance. 
Uh, now, it opens up before he jumps into the parable with this setting of uh, Jesus sitting with a bunch of people who were sinners, tax collectors, um, those that were really pariahs in the Jewish community. And you had the Pharisees and the scribes come along grumbling at that. Why were they grumbling that Jesus was eating a simple meal with them? Um, and you really see that context that produces all three parables that precedes it. And when it comes down to it, they were really grumbling because of the grace that Jesus extended to those that they deemed were unworthy of it. They did not deserve it. Um, grace is the undeserved and free favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. Um, and, and that's something that's really powerful um, when you think about it. Grace is something that's undeserved, um, but it's still fully extended. And you see that Jesus extends that to people um, in a way that the Pharisees really did not agree with. Um, and when you think about that context, you see uh, the picture of the shepherd going after the sheep. Now, this sheep, um, and sheep were known as not, not very intelligent animals, wandered away from the flock. You have the safety of the shepherd and all your friends, and you decide to just go off probably to the edge of a cliff somewhere by yourself. That's what the sheep did. The shepherd, in turn, leaves the 99 that he had and went after the one that would be the undeserving sheep. Um, and that's really a, a picture of grace um, that he had. And, and that's a picture of what we see um, with God and salvation and, and the grace that he extends to us. You know, it was pretty radical. Does it make sense for a shepherd to leave the 99 that he has to go after one? No. But in, in truth, it is, that is the one that is the most important to him, those that are lost. And you see the shepherd's um, love for the sheep and going after them. Um, and then you see the reaction that the shepherd had when he found it. Uh, we see in verse 5, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders. Such care that he has that he lifts the sheep up so that it cannot wander away again, puts it on his shoulders, and carries it back home to his family. I mean, that is, that is love. He does not leave it the chance that the sheep may wander away, but he places it on his shoulders and carries it. Now, this sheep may not be light. It's probably, I don't know, 100, 150, all that, well, not sheep, not fur, uh, we're, we're, wool, there you go, wool that the sheep has carrying it all the way back. I mean, this is not a light sheep, but he carries it because he loves the sheep. Um, and then in verse 6, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. It was such a joyous occasion. I mean, we see the love that the shepherd has and how possessive he is for that sheep. Um, and we know that the fathers in heaven and all the angels rejoice at the returning of one sinner that has been saved. Uh, let's read verses 8 through 10 now. Uh, or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In verse 8, you see, seeks diligently. Uh, it's not haphazardly, it's not sparingly, it's not occasionally, it's diligently. Uh, the picture you see here is that once this coin was lost, you can see this woman crawling on her hands and knees throughout her entire home looking for this coin, determined not to stop searching until she found it. Um, and that is the same level of intensity that God has for us that are lost and separated from him. He is determined that he will not stop seeking us until, he is, until we are found by him. Um, and that's a, a beautiful picture of for anyone here, that if you don't know Christ, that he is constantly pursuing you, um, determined to seek you until he gets you onto that fold. 
Um, you have to realize as well that this was not today. This wasn't even 100 years ago. This was no electricity, no flashlights. You're talking about one candle searching through many rooms for a coin that's not very reflective. It's just dim, sitting in some corner somewhere. And yet she's determined that I'm not going to stop looking until I find it. Why? Because it is her treasure. She, she values that coin highly. Now, this is one coin. She has nine other coins. Does it make that much sense to spend that much time looking for it? No. But once again... Uh, it is the value that the seeker attributes to what she's seeking uh, that we want to look at there. And that's what we're considering here. Um, and that really is reflective, once again, of, the, of how Christ, uh, how God looks after us. Um, now let's, let's finish up here with the third parable. We'll read verses 11 through 32. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Um, and I'll pause there and ask a question. You know, where was the father once the son had actually left out? Um, and we'll see that answer a little bit later on. But the father was still uh, waiting and seeking his son, uh, even when he first left. Uh, in verse 14, when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And, and no one gave him anything. So he was in a faraway place. Um, he had spent everything that he had, and he got nothing in return for it. Um, he just squandered everything that the father had given him. Um, and, you know, he, he, he was left to just root around for what he was going to live and subsist on. And where was the father during this time? The father was still seeking after him, even in the midst of this. Um, and we'll see that clearly in a couple of verses here. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I no longer am worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Um, and before we read the rest of the verses, you really want to hone in on verse 20 there. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Um, and you really have to think about how it's written there. And, and, and Jesus did a great job in explaining that while he was afar off, his father saw him. What does that mean? That his father was told that his son was coming? No, his father saw him, which meant that his father was waiting and looking out for him constantly. From the moment that he left until the moment he returned, his father was looking out and saw him from far away, and it came and embraced him. And that's a, a beautiful picture there of just how much seeking and diligence and patience that the father had in waiting for the return of the son. 
Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Um, and really, this is once again going back to just the, the attributes of the father seeking after the son. Um, and you'll see here, it's not even just the son that ran away with half his, his inheritance. While he was inside the home celebrating uh, with the son that returned, he went out of the house to go get the son that had always been with him but remained outside. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that son in a second, but you once again want to look at just the characteristics of the father and how much he loves um, the son that was missing and how he sought after him constantly. Um, and, you know, that begs the question, where, where have you wandered off to? You know, if you're a coin, where have you rolled away? Where have you run off to? You know, if you're not a believer, you, you may have run far away from God or, or even church or the things of God, and you find yourself far away from him. Um, you may be a believer, and you have come to Christ, but you're far away because of sin or self-righteousness. You may be in the church, but you're walking around the outskirts of it, um, dealing with something that you feel has separated you from God. The glorious truth that we have is that God the Father seeks us constantly. He's passionately seeking us. Um, he persistently seeks us, and he desires for us to draw closer to him. Um, throughout the study of Hebrews, we see regularly um, how we are to draw near to him. Um, and that is the picture that we have here, that the Father is diligently seeking after us, and he wants us to draw near to him. And um, we see a very similar picture in Psalm uh, 107, uh, 4 through 9, of just how the Father seeks after us, um, and how when we return to him, uh, there we find satisfaction. And that's really um, what we get once we come back after God, the same Father that seeks after us. Um, and you see that uh, the Father's seeking of us is something that uh, is just a core part of him. You know, he desires to be reunited with us. So we, we kind of see how the Father is the seeker, and he seeks after that. So what does that mean for us? You know, our response is what uh, really is what is looked after in this. Um, and we can respond in one of two ways. Or we want to look at the two ways that we can respond. One, if you're an unbeliever, we're called to respond by going to the Father. Um, if you're here and you don't know Christ, like I mentioned, you see the attribute of how he seeks after you. Um, and the response is to turn to him. Um, we have a father that loves us and that wants to be with us. Um, so much so that he sent his son to die for us so that we could return home. Um, apart from Christ, there is no returning to the father that seeks after us. Um, and that is a beautiful picture because as we have run far away from the father, as we have been separated from him, um, the only way that we can return um, is by someone buying that way back. And that, that, that picture is Christ. Um, so if you are a believer and you have heard this, 
there are two ways that you kind of think about this. You can be someone that is separated far from Christ because of, like I mentioned, sin or self-righteousness, and we're called to turn away from that. Uh, But as believers, sometimes we also struggle with uh, what that older brother struggled with, what that other son struggled with. Um, And he really had the same type of issue that the Pharisees had. That older brother who had remained with the father saw the grace that his father had extended. He wasn't happy about it. He saw his younger brother who had taken the gifts that God had given him and just threw them away for things that were temporal, that were worthless. And he had a problem with the grace that the father extended him. Uh, John MacArthur really did a great job of explaining or, or describing this. He said, the elder son in the parable was not the least bit moved by his father's love. His steely-hearted resentment over the father's mercy to his brother contrasts starkly with the dominant theme of Luke 15, which is the great joy in heaven over the return of the loss. Um, and, and, and that is something that we have to consider and think about for ourselves. You know, we may not be the, quite the extreme of the Pharisees or even the older brother in uh, being disgruntled with the grace that the Father extends, uh, but do we truly have the same heart that the Father has for those that are lost, for those that have been separated? Are you thinking to the same degree that the Father uh, thinks or desires to, to love on those that are separated? You know, where's your passion? Do you seek after those um, that are separated from God as much as the Father um, does? Those that may call themselves believers or may be separated because of sin in their lives, do you seek after them as well and desire to see them come to know the Father um, and sweet fellowship that the Son had that returned? Um, That's where our hearts should be. You know, that is the picture that Christ has provided, that we should not look on as uh, Christ alone extends grace to those, but we should desire to see others um, receive the same gift that we have received ourselves. Um, so, once again, just two final thoughts that we want to think about. Um, for those that aren't followers of Christ, you want to return to him. Uh, for those that are believers, we want to look at our lives and really consider where our hearts are. You know, we want to ask that question regularly. Do I have a heart that reflects um, God's heart, the heart of the seeker for those that are lost? Um, and if your heart is in any way not completely aligned with the love and desire and the persistence that God has, then our prayer should be, God, change my heart so that it's reflective of what your heart is. Give me a heart for the lost that you have so that I may see more of my brothers and sisters come home um, to the Father that loves us all. Let's uh, bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you for the sweet truth that you provided to us in your word. And we thank you for the love that you have for us, that while we were yet far off, that you saw us, you ran to us, you embraced us, um, and you desired to bring us home to yourself. And we thank you for that. We thank you um, for your son coming to die on the cross for us, uh, allowing us to be reconciled with you, um, and allowing us to one day be face-to-face with you. And we pray that that day will come soon. Um, but while we wait on your return, we pray that um, as people that love you and, and are your children, that you would conform our heart to your heart, um, that we would love those um, that are far away from you and that we would desire to see them uh, brought close to you. And I pray that uh, our lives will reflect uh, that heart change, that we would constantly seek after those that may not know you um, and share your, your word and your truth and your love with them, Lord God, and that we would most of all extend the same grace uh, that you have extended to us. Uh, we thank you for these things. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.